St. Paul to the Church at Rome, the 6th chapter, the 12th verse. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin, because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you're now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I got the new Bob Dylan album this week. If you know any Dylan fans, you can tell quite a lot about them by their favourite Dylan album. I can narrow mine to three. John Wesley Harding, Blood on the Tracks and Desire. Make of that what you will. But the first Dylan album I heard was Slow Train Coming, which was Bob's first record after his conversion to Christianity and his encounter with the Californian charismatic vineyard movement. Dylan's born-again phase is not universally praised. I remember long student conversations, fueled by cheap red corner shop wine, about the merits and demerits of these songs. One of the songs on Slow Train is called Gotta Serve Somebody. My unfashionable RP accent can't do it justice, but the chorus goes, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. It's not Bob's subtlest lyric, but it might be one of his truest. And part of that, of course, is because he nicked it from St. Paul. It is very difficult to receive what Paul is saying in today's passage from Romans. The horror of the transatlantic slave trade and its legacy rightly dominate our first responses to slavery in the ancient world. It is difficult to acknowledge that it took the church 1800 years to understand slavery as an absolute evil, and that indeed, we, the church, have still to grasp the implications of the gospel as good news for all. When we talk about slavery, we're not talking about something that is done and dusted. We're talking about something that still shapes our world profoundly to the advantage of some and the disadvantage of others. So in asking you to take Paul seriously, 
I'm not putting aside these difficulties or asking you to put them aside, but rather I'm asking that you take Paul's insights and apply them to the problems of the present. That in some of his teaching, Paul accepts slavery as a given of human society rightly appalls us. But we need to remind ourselves of the contradictory streams in his thought, which are rather like the eddies in a river. Today's Paul is the same one who boldly proclaimed that in Christ there is neither slave nor free. We don't read ancient texts well if we allow our minds to bob on the surface like paper boats. We need to build ourselves a sturdier vessel that can navigate the direction of the river to the freedom of the sea. And the direction of Paul's thought is always towards freedom. That said, it seems to me that what Paul describes is something which we have all experienced, at least in psychological terms. We know that we're born into a world which, by and large, we cannot control. We know that there are things influencing us over which we have no say. We're formed in families. Our place in the world, economically, geographically, impinges on our being. In many ways, we are slaves of things beyond us. I'm not referring here to addictive behaviours. I just mean the longer you're knocking around, the more you can see the systems that operate and that we serve one way or another. If that is the case, and I think Paul thinks it is, then we need to choose who and what we serve. Not serving isn't an option, so choose well. If there is a service that leads to death, and there is a service that leads to life, it's only rational to choose life. There's little clue to what's going on when Paul is thankful that the Romans have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which they were entrusted. Like Jesus, Paul knows that every human action flows from the heart. Why do you think he spends such a lot of time enumerating his vice lists? It's because the vices show where the heart is. So, if we want to change our actions, we need to change our hearts. Yes, things outside us operate upon us in such a way that we're formed by them, but our actions, which form us as much as others, come from our hearts. Paul doesn't want Christians to display the form of virtue. There's little lasting value only in shows of outward obedience to God's will. Real change, enduring change, comes when our hearts are given in service of God. This service is so demanding, so severe in its abandonment of self, so utterly reliant on the will of another, that Paul considers slavery an effective metaphor, speaking as he does in human terms because of our natural limitations. The form of teaching to which we, like the Romans, have been entrusted is a guide to the freedom of holiness. This freedom which Christ offers is freedom for, freedom from, and freedom to. It is freedom for us to fulfill our deepest purpose, our telos in God. We are freed by Christ to find union with a holy God. In finding this holy freedom, we are freed from sin and sin's effects, both individually and societally. 
And here is the rub. Christ's freedom, our service, is also freedom too. Freedom to change our hearts, to challenge sin and sin's effects, in ourselves first by examining our hearts, and in society too. None of us is saved alone, and none of us is truly free if another is enslaved or endures the effects of another's enslavement. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody.